Look, on my podcast, I talk a lot about health, wellness, and uh, social interaction. You know, in a world that is constantly changing and evolving, and the creator economy is growing day by day, you probably don't know where to begin. You don't know where to go to to actually learn about all these different professional creatives and artists and even entrepreneurs in that space. Well, look no further because I got the perfect podcast for you. And believe it or not, it's not mine. It's the one and only Heather Parody. She's been on my show a couple times. I've been on hers and full transparency. I'm a huge fan of her podcast as I personally enjoy taking the unconventional path and the path less chosen. The Heather Parody podcast really takes a spotlight to creative artists and entrepreneurs so that we can all learn from these dedicated creatives. If you want to learn more about Heather, uh, I'll leave her link in the episode notes, but you can follow her at Heather Parody on all platforms. Platforms. And of course, check out her podcast, the Heather Parody Podcast, available wherever you enjoy podcasts. And then what I think t- TikTok did is like no one cares about like the celebrity product review anymore. And I think it like moved more towards like people sourcing actual experts for product reviews. Like funny how. Just got out of Black Friday hell in the brand world, so just enjoying like a calm week. Dude, tell me about it, man. I own actually two businesses as well, and it's been it's been kind of crazy. So I'm I'm looking forward to kind of slowing down this week, getting ready for Christmas, you know, cozying up, watching some movies, just relaxing. Hundred percent. How did how did the Super Bowl of brands go for you? Good. <laughs> yeah, it went real good. Yeah, the nice. Super Bowl of brands. I like that. Yeah, I I can't remember who. <laughs> <laughs> and where, where are you out of again? Remind me. Yeah, I'm in Toronto. Um, okay. Yeah, kind of been here for, for a while. Um, work on a couple brands out here in the healthcare space. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's it's getting kind of cold in Toronto, but great city. I don't know if you've ever been. Yeah, yeah. I have, uh, I think once I've been. I really enjoyed it. It's really cool. Great food, surprisingly. Oh, yeah? That's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We um we just got so I've always thought like Toronto had like a super underrated like food and like restaurant scene. Yeah. But it was like I don't know, no one really talked about it. And then like you know, like the Michelin guide for like the Michelin stars or whatever. Right. They came to Toronto for like or they came to Canada in general for like the first time a few months ago. So everyone's just been like freaking out over the past couple months at like all these restaurants getting stars that everyone's been like going to. Nice. Yeah, I mean, compared to, you know, I don't know, compared to America, it's, it, it's what's Amer- what's weird about America is we do have better food. But when you start, so I'm, I eat plant-based, I have for a while, and, you know, we'll get into all that stuff. But when you start eating, like, outside of the American diet, you start to realize that every other food place is better, you know. But when, when you're so immersed in that American diet for so long, you think that's yeah. the best thing ever. It's very similar to, like, caffeine. I look at, like, caffeine as... You know, if you're a coffee drinker like I am and you're like manic about it and drink it every day, once you get off it, there's actually some pretty positive benefits of not having seven cups of coffee a day. Dude, <laughs> like that's, you know, yeah, that's me right now. Like yeah. I, um, I'm tapering off the caffeine. Um, I never had a problem with it. I was always like totally fine with just like the one cup in the morning. Sure. And then I got this Nespresso machine, which has just been like the oh. biggest nightmare of my existence. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I got it. It's like so easy. You just like press a button and I was like crushing coffees all day. Yeah. And I just like have one now I'm like exhausted every two hours. So I know. the coffee too, but my sleep is so much better. That's right. Yeah. No, it's very interesting too. So, well, let's, let's get into, we're already recording by the way. I just, okay, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I get into it. So I first found you on TikTok which uh, I really enjoy your content because it's very, uh, you know, it's educational, but it's it's easy to digest as well. So for people that don't know, introduce yourself, let them know your social handles and, and kind of your background and what you do. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so my name's Ali. I, uh, I do a bunch of different things. So I work pretty heavily in like the e-commerce and brand space. So kind of like the main thing I work on is these two brands based out of Canada called Jack and Jill Health which are basically telemedicine companies. So for anyone in the US, it's basically a very similar premise as the brands hims and hers. So you can essentially buy like prescription medication products for guys and then Jill is like the female care site. So um, 
kind of like leading the marketing creative teams there is a big part of what I do. Um, I do a bunch of consulting for smaller D2C brands, mostly in kind of like the food and beverage space, kind of like a lot of stuff you'd see in grocery stores, a lot of supplement brands. So um, that's a super exciting part of what I'm working on. Some other kind of like media related stuff like the TikTok. TikTok handle is at ali.afnan, A-L-I dot A-F-N-A-N, if you want to see some of the content. And yeah, that kind of just like brought up some other cool, interesting opportunities that I've been working on, like met, met a few guys from TikTok and we're working on a newsletter. A lot of the oh, consulting cool. I do came out of the TikTok. So it's been a been yeah. really cool part of what I work on. Yeah, TikTok's been interesting for sure to see its, its, uh, its inception to its growth. I mean, I was... I was kind of a part of when it was musically. It's interesting when you break it down, if like the pandemic didn't happen, would it be as successful? So true. And, and that's so interesting when you, when you really, cause I was, you know, I was guilty of it as well to where I, I spent more time. And even if you look at like some of my first TikTok videos, it was all like figuring out the platform and what, and what it was getting thousands, millions of views of like me pranking my wife and us just fucking around cause we were under quarantine and then now it's become like this, yeah, listen to my podcast and here's my business and D to C. And like, it's just to see it evolve, even myself, like my page, when you start to figure out the uh, pros and cons to it and then more capitalize on the pros of like, it's such an important business if you're a brand in particular. And the fact that even if you're getting 200 to 500 views, those views, as long as your content is good, the TikTok audience is so impressionable and so much more loyal and um, open-minded and authentic and like they just want that real use you don't have to have a huge budget if you're a brand to create content on tiktok because it's going to resonate with uh, the audience it's it's very different than instagram or facebook or linkedin it's uh it's one of its kind i mean it's very interesting that that platform yeah. It's super interesting and kind of like my but like to your earlier point i kind of found that as well like TikTok just like came at the most perfect time. And like, at times it feels so small because like you're talking about in like in over like the pandemic, like everyone's having these like shared experience of experiences of like, you see the same like pasta recipe on TikTok and everyone on earth is making it. And you're like, TikTok's tiny. It's like everyone's seeing the same few videos. And then like, it feels so large. I'm like watching a friend scroll through his feed and it's like, I've never like seen these people or these faces and like, everyone has their own little like echo chamber of content. Like right. you and I have like the business and marketing type stuff. And like, I don't know, I get like a lot of other like weird shit pop up all the time, but, um, yeah. but yeah, like for, for brands on TikTok, I think it's been like a pretty wild platform. Um, it seems like, like my experience with TikTok and like posting brand content on TikTok and just like consuming it as like, I guess like a customer to brands is that like, for whatever reason, a lot of people have like an insane level of trust with like people and products on TikTok that they didn't with other products. Yeah. Like I look at skincare, for example, as like a category. And like, there's so many brands that are just like built just like purely off the back of like UGC creators on TikTok. And like, not only are people like receptive to brands and like receptive to per making purchases on TikTok, but they're like going out there trying to discover brands on TikTok. So for um, sure using it as essentially the google the new generations google yeah yeah, yeah and, and you know that's what i do is one not only do i host this podcast and uh one of my businesses is a uh, business i opened up with the wife um speaking of the pandemic during the pandemic the idea was kind of thought of but uh we finalized it just this year in 2022 we started in may it's called meet cute box it's a, a date night subscription service but what's unique about ours is we uh, gather items from across the country from only small businesses, and we reach out to those vendors, vendors personally and you know get their items at wholesale, buy in bulk, and then we curate date nights with those wow. items. Every single item is from a small business. So you know our members always reach out to us and you know they'll say, hey, you know I, I love that product. I ended up reaching out to the small business. And these small businesses have 500 followers on Instagram, you know, like they're Etsy owners, they're you know, th those type of businesses. So that's kind of what we wanted to do with that business is with the pandemic happening and all these small businesses being affected, we wanted to kind of give you a little defibrillator. So that's kind of one side of our uh, of our uh, <laughs> household entrepreneurship mentality. And the other side is my actual UGC business. 
I, I create content for brands as well as host a podcast about health and wellness and stuff like that. So I've seen the, um, I was doing UGC before it was UGC, you know, before it was cool. yeah, before it was cool. Like now it's like, everyone's doing it. I'm like, damn, what the hell? But you know, again, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not selfish. I'm not looking to make a million dollars off my UGC business. I just enjoy the fact of, um, having the leverage and the power to turn down brands. Cause I think that's, what's so beautiful about UGC versus like influencer marketing. And, you know, for people that haven't listened to my podcast before, I've taught my YouTube, I talk about this a lot, but user generated content is literally, let's say I'm a brand, I send you a product and I say, Hey, create me a video, use this product, give me some honest feedback, send me that video. We're going to post it on our page as the brand versus yeah. like influencer marketing, which is exactly what it sounds like. You're the Kim Kardashian, you're using your millions of followers to create a product and create a video, create a post and use that uh, audience as leverage for that brand. And it's, it's funny that you look at like the two comparisons of that and it's, it's plain as day now. Cause before you looked at those posts and be like, Oh, Kim Kardashian really does like beyond meat. No, she got paid a shit ton of money to do it versus like you watch like Ali, I send you beyond meat. You open it, you try, you're like, Oh yeah, it's really good. And you just document that or do an unboxing or a video. Now the audience is resonating with that. Now they want to buy Beyond Me because of that. They don't want to buy it because there's a celebrity behind it. TikTok has definitely gave that de a defibrillator for sure. Absolutely. And um, yeah, I think like TikTok kind of like, that. that's so true. I think like Instagram was a world of like people wanting the largest celebrity with like a million followers, like looking for what kind of products they were tagging and wanting to purchase that. And then what I think TikTok did is like, no one cares about like the celebrity product review anymore. And I think it like moved more towards like people sourcing actual experts for product reviews. Like, sure. you know, like sure. there could just be like, whatever, like Addison Ray could try to sell you some supplements and like have like 10 times, maybe the audience as like Andrew Huberman and like the healthcare space, but everyone's like, right. no, I want to go to the expert now. Yeah. And TikTok's also just like real. It's like yourself. I'm sure like a lot of your UGC content's just like unboxing, like showing people what they get, right? So it's like right. preferring that over just like a photo, I think is like a little bit more real. And then I think a lot of people care more about like a lot of my earlier videos on TikTok were basically looking into and like doing deep dives on like celebrity brands. And I was just kind of like super unintentionally. I was just like thinking of like cool, compelling TikTok format content, um, basically trying to like introduce marketing to like maybe like a wider net of people who like wouldn't seek it out. And like the celebrity angle is that that variable, I guess. But in like reviewing a lot of those brands, I'd be like, OK, like this brand is doing super well. This one maybe isn't doing super well. And like kind of the trend I realize is that like whenever an influencer or celebrity launches a product that has absolutely nothing to do with their content it always flops mm. like chamberlain coffee for example like that brand is crushing it right now but like emma chamberlain's whole journey of like creating content over like the past five years or whatever was all like her being a coffee enthusiast like people watching her content for like the different coffee shops she she'd go to like her crazy at home coffee setup so mm. her launch of the brand was such a seamless transition and everyone was like super on board with it but then there's just like the other celebrity who will just do like their talent agency will just be like, okay, we got you the skincare brand. We'll slap your face on the site. And like, I don't know, TikTok isn't buying it anymore. I don't think. Yeah. That, oh, that's so true. And you know, you look at a guy like, I don't know, like Logan Paul, right. And KSI, that's a great example of what they did with prime, but you know, yeah. they, they leverage their audience. I mean, I guess we could use Mr. Beast too. You know, Mr. Beast is also another great example where they're they're leveraging that that product. But you see what I like about Mr. Beast in particular versus like a Logan Paul is Logan Paul and KSI, they kind of like had this cool journey of like battling it out and like, let's get into the isotonic space. So they ended up getting into that space and they use both of their audiences to kind of create that growth. And now they're, I don't know, I think like the number eight uh, isotonic and beverage brand, which is a big deal in that space because, you know, it's really Gatorade, Body Armor, just a few big boys, Powerade, stuff like that. So, but you look at a guy like Mr. Beast and he's getting into spaces that aren't really a thing, mm. you know, and he's using his audience to kind of drive into a totally different product that you wouldn't expect, like chocolate. Like what? Mr. Yeah. Beast chocolate? Burger joints? 
you know, that what he did with the ghost kitchen is incredible. A lot of people don't know, but he kind of started this wave of uh, creating like a ghost kitchen where you order everything online and you go and pick it up. And there's really not like a, a, a kitchen staff or a wait staff or anything like that. You just show up and it's kind of like a vending machine and you show up and your burgers made. And, and then eventually that got some traction during the pandemic and boom, now he's opening up his own restaurant. So he's kind of like playing the long game which is interesting. Yeah, his model's super interesting. And like, that's a really good point. Like these kind of just like random sporadic brands that like maybe don't have too much to do with this content. I think the reason why he kind of crushed it in like the space that he does is like, yeah, he has these really interesting models like the ghost kitchen. I also think that like everyone's audience, I think will like get them one purchase from their fans. But if the product's garbage, it won't get them a second purchase. And Mr. Beast just like nailed the execution on all these things. Like for Feastables, his chocolate bar, it's like he hired the like entire team of RX bar, like, you know, people who already knew what they were doing. He like hired in like expert teams. The product's phenomenal, has like really great macros and people are just like, all right, I'll buy it from Mr. Beast, but I'll continue buying it because of the product. Yeah. And not to mention contrasted to that, he also did what? Mr. Beast chocolate factory. So he did a whole video of like mocking Willy Wonka's chocolate factory using Mr. Beast's, you know, but if you watch that whole video, he's very good at a lot of things, obviously, but he was very good at implementing that brand into that video. Hundreds of millions of people do. You watch that video and you're like, oh, Feastables is there. Feastables is there. So he really kind of created that product placement without you knowing it, but he he worked really hard to kind of start that whole product. Like, it's funny if he didn't start Feastables, would he do a Willy Wonka chocolate video? No. Like that was all very strategic. And that's the difference between him and a guy like Logan Paul, which Logan Paul is just kind of using that audience to to do that. Yeah. And then, you know, you look at a guy like maybe Peter McKinnon, which is also very interesting because he's very selective on the brands that he collabs with. But we trust him on what? Camera gear, lenses, things like that. So he worked really hard to build the audience. And then mm-hmm. he collabed with uh, the first brand I want to say was, a, uh, I think it was a lens. He might have did a collab with a lens, but then he collabed with uh, Nomadic, which is a, a great um, gear book bag company. So now you'll buy that book bag because you trust Peter McKinnon and his content and his lens. He's not going to come out with the chocolate bar. He just yeah. doesn't, right? He doesn't have his personal brand just wouldn't fit that model versus a guy like a Mr. Beast who pretty much do whatever the fuck he wants. But both are very profitable and make tons of money. So it's uh, and they're very conscious and aware of their audience because, again, I think Peter McKinnon has probably turned down deals with, you know, a restaurant or Beyond Meat or whatever, just to use those as an example. I would guess because if he was to promote that or if there was a Peter McKinnon burger, people are going to be like, nah, I'm good. Like it just doesn't feel authentic, which is very interesting because I'm sure they're consciously aware of it. But as the audience, uh, we look at that stuff versus like a Kim Kardashian does it. And we're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But what's the distinction? Like, is it because she's a celebrity? Is it because she's Kim Kardashian? Like, why are we okay with that versus the creator? And I think the answer, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, is it's the creator economy. It's very different when you look at, like, creators versus celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like, the trust we have and the distinction between those two as the audience, we're very conscious of it, we're very aware of it, and we choose it. We choose the creator economy or we choose that influencer celebrity economy. It's two totally different things. Yeah, I probably agree with you. I think like the traditional celebrity in our minds, we kind of like perceive them as like more of an actor than like a personality. Mm-hmm. And I think like being like a YouTuber or like someone on TikTok or like anyone on social media, you kind of like, you've kind of like opted to like participate in this like world of authenticity. Maybe like sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but like, mm-hmm. You even see it like you probably even like see it on the street where it's like, I don't know, I feel like the traditional celebrity or like the actor, the Kim Kardashian, like people might give them a little bit more like respect on the street, like not bother them or like maybe like there'll be like paparazzi around them. But if you see just like a TikToker in a grocery store or like someone whose podcast you listen to, you feel like you know them because the authenticity, it's like go try to shake their hand or whatever. So I feel like in that, like Mm -hmm. that kind of like translates with the products as well, where it's like 
yeah, like if Kim Kardashian just posts like a product that has nothing to do with like her life or like her content or her show or whatever, it's really easy to like detach the product from the person and be like, okay, she's just an actor. Like this is an ad. And Mm. it's like, they're just using her for her audience. Whereas like, you know, if like I started just doing like some random like crypto thing and they were like, what the hell? He hasn't posted like a single crypto (laughs) video. Then that just like dilutes and diminishes like everything I post in the future. Cause they're like, I'm watching this person because there's like some like foundational level of trust and like now I can't trust this person. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which this this podcast episode is sponsored by Everyday Dose. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. But he, that's so true though. Yeah, it's, it's I never looked at it like that. That's very interesting. Because I guess yeah. we are we do look at them obviously as celebrities, but I've met a few uh celebrities and when the company I used to work for, I used to work for Monster Energy. And I used to work with a lot of athletes and deal with their contracts and a lot of events and brand deals and all that. And after a while, they weren't really celebrities. You know, after you meet them for a while, it's you're like, oh, these are just real humans. And that's how I feel when I met other creators or if I have creators on my podcast where it's like, yeah, they got a lot of followers, but it's more along the lines of, you know, the respect you have for the creative and because you're consuming that content. um, It's interesting because if you watch, I, I hate to pick on Kim Kardashian so much. I'm just throwing it out as an example. She's a stud. Like it's a good thing that we're picking on you, Kim, because I know she listens to this show. But <laughs> if you if you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians all the time, and if you saw her, you're not like, oh hey Kim, I love the show. Here's a handshake. Like there's a very interesting relationship versus like Huberman. I, I love you brought him up because I just listened to his new podcast that came out about caffeine. Uh, this yeah. morning, God, he's, he's incredible. I love that guy. Um, yeah. but the Huberman lab, if you don't listen to him, like if I saw him on the street, I'd be like, Hey, <laughs> what's up, Huberman? Like, <laughs> how you doing? All right, man. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the day. Like I, I wouldn't be like goo goo gaga. I don't think maybe I would, but it's more of a respect because I consume the content. It helps me versus like a celebrity, which is like, it's more of a release to reality. You know, you're allowing me to get away from my everyday life. You're fake. You're not real. Ooh, goo goo gaga when I see a celebrity. It's a, it's a weird relationship we have with celebrity. And we look up to them most of the time, which is even more interesting because they're, they're not a part of our lives in a real way on a daily basis. You know? Totally. I, I've been like kind of thinking about that, like relationship and how people treat different like personalities a lot recently. And like, I think kind of the thing I landed on was, okay, yeah, there's the traditional celebrity who we like in our minds don't even like treat as like a human at times. It's just like this like person out there and like they don't even really exist. And then there's like the internet personalities and the creators and stuff. And like kind of what I've observed is that like, I I feel like there could be someone who I watch on TikTok on a weekly basis, but if I cross them on a street, I wouldn't even recognize them. Cause there's so many faces, like thousands of faces that pop up on my TikTok over the course of a day. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have like an intimate relationship with any one person. It's like, oh yeah, I like this guy's content. I follow this guy's content or whatever, but I see so many faces that it's like, all right, yeah, this is just like one of like a thousand people I see in a day. Whereas like YouTube kind of like makes that pool of like consumption a little smaller where I'm like, I only really watch like five or six people on YouTube where it's like, you know, maybe a podcast, like a vlogger, like a couple different things on YouTube because the format's longer. And then podcasts, there's like three podcasts I listen to on like a consistent weekly basis. So it's like- Soon to be four. Soon to be four, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, if like I were to run into one of the four podcasters, it's like that to me is more of like a celebrity than like one of the TikTok people, right? Yeah, and you know, especially because uh, like podcasters on YouTube, I think a lot of that has to do more often than not you tell me if this is accurate, but I think when we consume YouTube, it's for more than 30 minutes. At least yeah. I do, right? Like you're usually in it for the long form, whether you have it run in the background or it's a podcast or a vlogger, you know, a guy like Peter McKinnon or, um, you know, folks that you just enjoy their content. So you watch that content almost like that's your TV mm-hmm. versus like a TikTok. Our attention spans are so quick and they're so more often not they're short videos so we, uh, we're not in a long form relationship with those creators m- most of the time, um, unless you're following that creator laterally and you're also following their YouTube, which does happen as well. Like I'm on both platforms, but I have more YouTube followers because of the podcast 
versus TikTok because TikTok, it's more like short clips and things like that. So people aren't consuming long form with me on that platform. So they're not dedicated, I don't think, as much as they are YouTube, which is interesting because I think a lot of that has to do with the scroll aspect. I don't know if there's any studies out there. I've talked about this uh, with experts on my show before to where I think there's a big psychology with the uh, importance of vertical content and the fact, A, it's vertical because that's how the phone is. But I think there's a lot of psychology involved with the the up and down scrolling versus YouTube. And whether you're watching it on a laptop or you're watching it horizontally, there's no ability to scroll. And I think there's something that happens to that dopamine hit we're getting from what we're seeing visually, but also from the flick. You know, it's very similar to like a fidget. Like, what, what do you think about that? Do you think there's any correlation when it comes to the scrolling yeah. aspect? Well, like, I think there's like with TikTok, there's zero cognitive load when it comes to choosing content. Like, there's no decisions you need to make. Whereas, like, I think everyone has the experience of like, you're sitting with someone about to watch a movie on Netflix and you're spending like 20 minutes, like, search, like, you're, cause you know, you're about to invest an hour, like, two hours of your time mm -hmm. into content. So there's like a ton of people who are just like sitting there about to watch something on Netflix or even YouTube where it's like you can't find the right movie. It's taking you 30 minutes and you just don't watch anything at all. Or you like throw something on YouTube or whatever. Or you Whereas go on like, TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Whereas like in TikTok, there's zero cognitive burden to you. You just like open the app and you're like, it'll serve you stuff. So like it's mm. super easy to just get like spend more time doing that than like sitting there like with the decision fatigue of like trying to decide what to watch. So I think like that format really like nailed the like getting people on the app for longer periods of time. Like I think most people probably spend more time, even though it's shorter form, they probably spend more time over the course of a day on TikTok than they do on like maybe YouTube or Netflix. Look at your insights on your iPhone. Like, yeah, it's scary, man. Yeah, at I least, put the, yeah, I just put, put the child locks on myself. Like, the yeah, little, like, dude, timers. you put, you put in that code, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Every time yeah. it pops up, you press that fucking code. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I know I do. I I put the child lock on and then I also have the lock where it's like after you put in the code, it gives you another warning. And I'm just yeah. like, dismiss. I just want to at least feel guilty about it. Like, <laughs> the like screen locks and then like your screen turns black and then you look at like the reflection of yourself in the screen. You're like, what am I doing? <laughs> God, what a piece of shit I am to do it. Really you know, like, and well, and especially, you know, we, we know so much now about. Yeah. Um, how phones are negatively affecting our cognitive function and obviously that that level of dopamine hit we're getting and then it's numbing us to other things you know it's it's very it's very similar to like how porn has affected the youth and uh, your ability to pull up porn anytime you want anywhere you want and it's it's kind of making us more numb to the actual physical act of sex and um, I'll let Huberman and some other folks that are more important talk about that. But that is interesting because it kind of came at the same time, right? Like social media, uh, porn everywhere, Google everywhere, like this whole overload of information has made us numb to everything else. Because like if I was to go outside and enjoy a nice walk, mm -hmm. <sighs> To not bring my phone would give me so much anxiety, anger, and depression <laughs> that I just do it anyway. And don't get me wrong. I love the outdoors and I go outside all the time. But it's like not having a podcast to listen to on my walks or not. You know, we're so reliable on these devices. And there is a lot of negatives that come from it. But there's also a lot of positives, too. And I don't think it would – it's hard to kind of distinguish the long-term side effects of these without – another 50 years of studies like we would need mm -hmm. you know because it's only been 20 years really since this social media thing has been cranking so in 50 years is there going to be a lot of cons to it i don't know because overall yeah. i mean aren't we better humans for it like i think the thing that i notice in myself with um with like social media and with tiktok was that like, I felt like it fried my attention span. So like I was using it a lot and I was like telling myself the story of like, I'm posting content. So I need to like intimately understand like the experience of consuming the content, which I think is like probably true. Sure. But um, it, it kind of got to the point where like, I was a big or like, I still am a big reader, but I like was a much bigger reader like a few months ago. And uh, whatever, like was kind of like, you know, a little slower on like 
reading over the past few months. And then I like returned to it like a month ago. And I realized that like, I'm like reading the words and like my brain is thinking, like my brain's moving too fast. It's like thinking of other things. You have, or, to, like, you have ADHD now. <laughs> yeah, I gave it to myself, I guess, like late in life. Yeah. So I'm just like rereading stuff. I can't focus, I can't concentrate. And then like, I'm like, okay, this is TikTok. Cause like my brain needs like the dopamine pulse every like 30 seconds now. I can't like, you know, there's no like readings, like kind of like a delayed gratification type experience where it's like over the course of like 30 minutes or an hour. And like, mm. I'm not satisfied with that, like slower pulse of dopamine. So that's so true. And like I find that in Netflix as well, where it's like, I'm like, is this movie not moving fast enough? Yeah. Like, yeah he, here's how I knew that I had a problem. And uh, a lot of people could probably relate if, if they're out there listening. I, I kind of made a, a step back to try to help me consume less content. So all my streaming services now, I pay less to get ads. Mm. So like the Hulus of the world, Peacock, all that stuff, it's like a $6 difference. But combined, you know, if it's you have four or five streaming services, 30, 40 bucks a month, and adds up, right? So I'm like, but I also don't want to rush everything. I don't want to skip the intro. I don't want to press that button. I don't want to fast forward through ads. I want to watch the ads. I want to consume them and just take my time. So consciously, I started doing that. Then I realized I had a problem with my phone when every time an ad popped up, I immediately went to TikTok. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is a problem now. Probably took me a couple weeks to realize it. Um, and then my wife looked at me. She's like, what are you doing? We started watching a movie and I got interrupted with an ad. And then, so the ad finished. Five minutes into the movie, I'm still on my phone. She's watching it. She looks at me. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> what? She's like, it started like five minutes ago. I've been staring at you this whole time. You haven't. I was like, and the second I put it down, I couldn't get invested into the movie. It was hard for me to get, because all I thought about was what? The video I just watched or the creator. And now my mind is going, and I'm like, okay, I got a problem. I got to. So now I really put limits on everything because I'm realizing that it's just, listen, it's good. It's real good. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's like caffeine. It's like we talked about earlier when we first started this. When you have it, it's like, woo. It's good, but then eventually it gets to the point to where you get so immune to it, you need more and more and more, and it's like a gambler when you try to win. And once you hit that big, that big hand and you win that dough, you can't just cash out. You have to keep playing because you think it gets better and better. Without really getting into technical terms, uh, you're addicted. That's totally. an addict. And I think that's what we all are at some point because it is good and I don't know if there's enough studies to say we need to put down our devices 24-7 because we kind of need it now. But I think you have to be conscious of it and you have to be aware of it because it is a problem because you can miss out on a lot of other things if you, you're not aware of it and conscious of it to, to set it down yeah. for now. There's, there's missing out on a lot of things. And I think like in me, the biggest thing that I realized is like I got so conditioned to like not having any moment without stimulus, like kind of like your example of like yeah. watching the ads where it's like, okay, this is like an idle minute. Like I still need the stimulus. And it's like, if, you know, like people bring their phones with them like to the toilet or like if you're going for a walk, you have your AirPods in, that's still stimulus. Even when you're driving, like you're listening to something. So there's like, we're like conditioned to not have like a waking moment without stimulus. Like this was like a couple months ago when I like kind of started becoming aware of this is I left the house to go to the gym and my AirPods died. And I was like, my gym's like a 15 minute walk from here. I got all the way to the gym, realized my AirPods were dead. I was like, I can't do my workout. And I like went all the way back home to like get my like wired earphones. And then I was like, this is so fucked up. Just, I was like, okay, I gotta like, this is like a crazy fear of like not having the stimulus from the phone. So I was like, these moments where like, maybe I don't need to, like I'm really like passively consuming like nonsense. I'll just like not listen to anything. So if I go for a walk in the morning, I'll not listen to stuff. I'll try to like sometimes like while I'm working out, not listen to stuff. I realize it gives your brain a lot more time to process. You know how there's just this, like, like this constant like barrage of thoughts. And if you're like sitting without like music or stimulus or anything, you're just like actually processing things from your day. And it's like kind of nice. Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just like processing now on like my morning walks or like when I work out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even like journaling too, that, that helps putting, putting thoughts on paper. I used to do it in my notes app. Yeah. I stopped doing that. I get, I have this thing called, I don't know if you heard this, but it's called the time box. It's mm -hmm. a yeah, pretty interesting yeah. method, but not sponsored. But yeah. what I, what I like about it is it lays out times. You can literally plan out your day and write things down, but it doesn't give you a lot of space, which is good. 
and then it's top priorities is one thing. So there's three top priorities that I have to do today. And then there's a yeah. brain dump section. So yeah. literally everything that's just on my brain, I can dump. And then of course on the back, there's a place where you can write. But this has really helped me out a lot because it's uh, A, I think there's just something very animalistic about writing on paper. Mm. We forget that when we write on paper and I always write in pen and I write in pen because I don't mind messing up because the when I cross it off, yes. whether I complete it yeah, or if I messed up or I complete it, it's just that there's something great about that versus like just double tapping to delete everything. Putting my thoughts on paper uh, has really helped out as well. And I'm realizing that my hands, I'm getting like arthritis because my hands have not like used utensils in a couple of years. No, I'm, I'm a big time handwriter too. I do, I do journaling a little different, but I'm curious, like how's the time boxing? Do you think it's like made you more productive? I think so. It's it's hard to tell because my workflow has pretty much stayed the same. I think I'm more productive, not necessarily because of the time box. It might help. Uh, or the better example rather would be if I don't put things in my phone, like in my notes app, because you, you never put something in your notes app and then set it down. It's always yeah. notes app, idea, ooh, Instagram, TikTok. It, it's always that that snowball effect to lead yeah. you on the phone. So I think the cool thing about the time box is it keeps me productive. But the second I write it down, I do it. Like if I yeah. write it down and it's like, you know, what are we at now? 10 o'clock. So I have something on there that's 11 o'clock. I told you I got a conference call. So I have a call then. I'm not going to I'm not gonna touch my phone. And I'll touch it when I need to touch it. But it's not going to be for putting ideas in because I know that's going to lead to me using the phone for other idiotic reasons like TikTok. <laughs> Yeah. So I started, I started journaling like two, like a year and a half ago or something. It was when I read that. I don't know if you've read that, like Matthew McConaughey book, Green Lights. No, but, but I've always actually wanted to. I hear it's really good. You should check it out. It's a pretty wild movie where basically he's been, Matthew McConaughey has been journaling, I guess, like every day since he's been 18 years old. And he had these like crazy documentations of like him making it in Hollywood, like chatting with like agents, like basically his own like inner monologue of like what was going on when he was making these like crazy career transitions and like oh, family wow. life thing. And it was like such a fascinating book. I started, I read that book and I was like, there's so much stuff over like growing up or like the past couple of years that I just like, forgot or I have like really vague memories of. So I did it just as a tool of like trying to document things. Mm. Where I was like, okay, like first thing in the morning when I sit down, I'll like do it in this like notebook. I did it this morning before we started. I'll just write like a page of like whatever, like there's no structure to it. It'll just be like a page of whatever my like inner monologue or self-talk is. So I'll just like sit down and like, I don't know, like I like I like this morning it was like, I don't know, like I'm trying to make a decision. Am I a guy who drinks or doesn't drink alcohol? I'm like, I'm just kind of having this like debate with myself and writing. And I think, A, it's like, like you said, it's super cathartic to like actually release it like hand pen to paper. And also like you can't go back, like edit things. You can't scratch stuff out. So it's like an actual true thing, chain of thought, which I think is really nice. Mm -hmm. um, but like the second layer of the like the hand journaling that I really like is like I'll go back. I think like I'll go back and like read stuff that I wrote like six months ago. And it'll feel so good to be like, all right, I'm writing about this like nonsense I was dealing with six months ago. And like, I've actually overcome that, which is like nice. You can like actually track progress in your life. Cause I think cool. like, unless you journal, like your existential memories, like you're constantly eating shit, like problems all the time, no resolution. You're not overcoming anything. But like, mm -hmm. if you look back six months, you're like, oh, like, things are getting better. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's I, I did actually used to journal. I have some of my old journals when I was like in middle school and I used to journal a lot. I used to write poems. I used to do some crazy foo-foo stuff. Looking back on that, the dreams and aspirations that I had and that I didn't accomplish them um, is not necessarily disheartening because they were outrageous. You know, I was in middle school, of course. Like yeah. some of us wanted to be like, you know, firemen and police station and presidents and all that. Like it's kind of crazy yeah. talk <laughs> for some of us. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny when you look back at those journals, because if you can accomplish those things, like you're saying, there is a form of accomplishment there. And on a daily basis, we don't really have that gratification, do we? Unless you work for a corporation where they reward you all the time, which doesn't really happen a lot, which is why I don't do it anymore. Um, but you know, they're not giving out medals and trophies and 
good badges. You probably won't even get a, an email that says, hey, congratulations, Ali did a great job on this X, Y, Z. But I think as humans, we need that, you know, like even back in the caveman days when they first lit up that fire and they saw that spark and it happened and you invented something and you're like, and you got so jacked up and excited. You don't really get that on a daily basis, you know, like unless you have a spouse that's supportive of you and says, hey, great job doing this. Um, I yeah. think it's cool that you can look back and say, wow, I actually did this. I did that versus like going through your whole life thinking you're doing all this grind and this legwork and fuck, I'm waking up and all I do is hustle and all I do is this and that. And there's no gratification at the end of the day. But if you, like you said, you look back at that journal and you say, wow, I actually did accomplish this. I did accomplish that. Because we do forget the memory is a very funky thing where I think it's always fighting our inner self. I don't know if there's any science behind this, but I feel like our our conscience, like the the angel and the devil, uh, yeah. that's just like our brain. The devil is like making you forget things, and the yeah. angel is trying to help you remember things. Because, okay. they're, you know, all this stuff like we're, I say this all the time on my show, but all everything's fabricated. It's all fake. How much money, Ali, is enough money for you to live? We don't know. <laughs> Who the fuck know? Like, everyone's telling us it's a hundred grand. Yeah. <laughs> What's the net? Why? What's the science behind that? What? Cause you want a big house. I don't know. I don't want a big house. You want a big house? Like it's different for everybody. Like it's all fake. It's all not real. We invented everything. Even quite literally money we've invented. It's, this is not real. How do we know it's not real? Cause we're the only country that uses <laughs> a dollar as currency. Yeah. So that means other countries looked at that and says, nah, we don't want to do that. We'll do this instead. So I think to have something tangible and, and something that you can kind of pat yourself on the back for on a daily basis, it gets you motivated every day because that at least is real. That's something that, you know, you're accomplishing yourself. Totally. And like, it's hard to improve something if you're not tracking it. Like, I, I feel like if someone was, mm -hmm. you know, you have metrics for all or like for like most other things you're doing where it's like on social media, for example, you're like, yeah, like it's pretty clear last month I had like this many followers or listeners or whatever. And like, now I have this and like, that's like the number I'm tracking to grow. And like, if you're trying to lose weight, like you're probably weighing yourself every couple of days or something. And that's how you're like tracking your improvement. Mm -hmm. But like for just like most other facets of your life, like your relationships and like, I don't know, whatever your mental health, like your work or like, you know, other parts of the human condition, there's no like right. metric to track. So you kind of have to do shit like this to like, be like, okay, I'm like moving in the right direction at least. Totally. Well, especially when it comes to fitness, right? Because, you know, again, I use that angel and devil analogy because I feel like our brain is always fighting when we see ourselves in the mirror. You know, like, have you ever been in that situation? I know I have. I used to be a trainer uh, a long yeah. time ago. And I look back at what I looked like then, and I was amazing, like incredible shape. I was also eating like 10,000 calories a day. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was rocking it. But, you know, you look at that, and I thought I was like my peak, my prime fitness, but I was actually very unhealthy, you know, because I'm five, five, I, my body mass index was outrageous. My weight was way too high. I was having a lot of pain, especially in my lower back. I ended up getting an injury from doing squats because my body just, it's not meant for that. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm, according to doctors, I am healthy now. But when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't like it. Mm. Right. And I yeah. think we always battle that because we look at ourselves and we're like, mm, no, that's not what it is. However, to your point, if you wrote something on paper and you had something physically that's tangible and you look at the weight and you look at all these things that is supposed to make you healthy, that's actually something that should give you a little bit more motivation, you know, to have something on paper versus just relying on yourself to look at yourself in the mirror. Because sometimes we play tricks on ourselves and we don't know it. Totally. And also, I feel like most guys just get into working out for like purely vanity reasons in the beginning. Like, for sure. like you're like, whatever, high school, you're like trying to get girls. You're like, I got to get jacked. So like, I feel like that's the experience with like every guy where you're just like grossly unhealthy, like eating the weirdest shit. And you're yeah. just like, whatever, just like looking at these like fitness bodybuilders. And then. Yeah, bro. Like know. at one point I was eating uh, peanut butter and tuna wraps. Wild. <laughs> because of the protein and the fat and the macros and macros. Like, what am I doing yeah. with my life? Like, you can't have a wife and kids eating it's peanut butter and tuna fish together. It's, yeah. it's no way to raise family. Yeah, dude, you're going to die lonely. That's it's just about <laughs> that. 
but you know it's it's even more funny when all this stuff's coming out with like liver king and all that like you yeah yeah so i'm so invested in that storyline right now oh are you really <laughs> the liver king exposing oh bro yeah. give me give me everything give me your thoughts on everything okay so... if you have time by the way do you have time yeah yeah i'm right. good i'm good all right. yeah so okay, the the Liver King, the Liver King story for like anyone who doesn't know, it was this guy who starts like posting content. Um, I think he like blew up like a year ago on TikTok, and it was all this like this like massive jacked bearded guy, and he's posting content about like living in alignment with your like seven ancestral tenants, and like the like I think the message in and of itself like makes a ton of sense. It's like you know guys had all this like way more testosterone like decades ago, and like like modern life is kind of like crushing people's health or whatever so he's like live in alignment with your ancestral tenants and then it kind of like turned into him going on a bunch of these podcasts and being like i'm completely natural no peds and like no one's even asked like in most of these cases no one's even asking him about it and he's like no peds completely natural liver kids which are performance enhancement drugs by the way exactly yeah yeah um but what does he always say that he's like yeah i am on peds yeah, yeah, and then some like, the acronym for something else. That's gonna kill me if I don't figure out. He's like, he's like, uh, persistence, something excellence, <laughs> persistence, excellence, and determination. I am on PD. Yeah, that's so wild. And then like some guy, Derek Morsweets, more dates who I love on YouTube, makes this like hour long video exposing him with like emails of him like sending people the doses of like PEDs he's taking such a bad look um so yeah like 12 grand a month it was i feel like it was crazy i think it was like 20 grand or something and uh anyways which by by the way not to interrupt your analysis here because it's fantastic but he's also contrasted to this now is he spreading all this bs about this but he's also selling supplements right to his audience making millions like i forget the reports that came out but he was making like 10 million dollars a month or something stupid because yeah. he's selling this, hey, I'm going to give you this liver powder bullshit. That's how he's doing it. He's not telling you to go out to Winn-Dixie and buy right. liver. He's like, buy my supplements because I know what I'm doing. Look at me. Totally, yeah. And then I guess like, yeah, he got exposed. Everyone, his like business partners are like disassociating. He made this like wild apology video. I don't know. It just like kind of made me think. It's like I've never been like the guy who's like, oh, yeah, that guy takes PEDs. All these guys take PEDs. But it's like when you hear like sh- like stuff like this kind of like come out and like people not telling the truth. I'm like, kind of makes you doubt like everything you see on social media with these guys. I'm just like, I don't know. For that, real. Yeah, that Liver King thing was wild. Hilarious. It's even more interesting because. Um, oh, more plates, more dates. More plates, more dates. Yeah, because I follow him as well. But he was recently on Rogan. Yeah. Did you watch that episode? Yeah, yeah. Parts of it. Yeah. It's incredible. And listen, you know, I even did a whole YouTube video on this. It's like 12 minutes long why Joe Rogan's so successful is the YouTube video. There's a lot of reasons why he is successful. Um, I picked out like five out of my ass. A lot of it's like sponsorship deals. Um, yeah. The way he does his ads are very unique, authentic. He's been doing that for 10 years if you listen to him. Where it's not really an ad, it's just him shooting the shit about the ad. And uh-huh. um, he kind of created this whole thing where, you know, if you listen to one of his ads like Athletic Greens, mm-hmm. he'll say, Listen, I don't know about you guys. I travel a lot. I do my comedy shows. I do UFC. And when I take Athletic Greens, it just makes me feel better. Like, I, I'm just, I think quicker. Um, I'm more active. Just the way he does it's very authentic and genuine. Very similar to, like, UGC. Mm-hmm. So that's one reason. Another reason is, like, young Jamie, his producer, right? He's very pro. He's great at what he does. And then the biggest reason I say is it's long-form conversations as well as authenticity. So, like, if you listen to him over the course of 10 years or 15 years, um, he's been the same. He's grown. He's made mistakes. We all do. But it's all on record, and he's he's very authentic. It's unedited most of the time, his podcast. And the reason I bring him up is because when you listen to him have that conversation, he's mentioned numerous times that Joe Rogan himself is on TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. That honesty is what is lacking in the creator space and in the influencer space and in celebrity space, I think the reason he's grown so much over the years is because if you actually listen to him, he is, whether you believe in his philosophy or not, he's very honest. He's an honest type of guy, one of the rare honest uh, influencers out there. 
And if, if more people were like him, more people can grow. And even if like that honesty, like if Liver King came out day one and said that he's on PEDs, but he also eats fucking testicles and livers and stuff, he would have the same following. I think so. Yeah. Right. Because again, it's like the rock. A rock's a great example. They talked about this on that, that Rogan episode as well, where <laughs> the rock's the rock. But if he came out right now and said that he's on testosterone, it's not looking good. But if day one, he's like, listen, I'm going to be Black Adam. I'm going to take fucking Winstrel, testosterone, this, that. I'm going to load up because I want to look the best. People yeah. are like, all right, I get it. They're still going to watch Black Adam, bro. Yeah. But now it's like, you're kind of skating this fine line. Even though he hasn't lied like Liver King lied. Yeah, like Liver King straight up lied, but yeah. you know that authenticity, man, I think is what's lacking. Uh, to your point of just the creator economy, the social media economy, like honesty is is going to be the the winner at the end of the day. You got to be honest. I totally agree. I think, um, yeah, it, it's it's a weird kind of like thing, like conversation that's like popping up a lot. I think guys like The Rock maybe feel like some responsibility to like be cautious of what they say because of like institutions like Hollywood or like he was in the WWE sure. before, whereas like a guy like Joe Rogan kind of only like answers to himself or like That's right. maybe, by, I don't know. Yeah. But and, Ro and Rock has like 10 companies. So a lot of yeah. employees, a lot of people to be responsible for. Sure. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Dude, I'm super curious about your UGC stuff at some point, if you don't mind sharing, I'm, I'm uh, fascinated with that whole model. Oh yeah, man. Um, so, I mean, it works a, a couple different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. Most recently, I found a few agencies that I kind of like, um, like the UGC shop uh, are good folks. Um, but, you know, the problem is those fees. I mean, if you ever worked yeah. with an agency, any agency, it's just a lot of fees. It's a lot of pointless fees. I'm doing all the work. You're just connecting me with people. So right. more often than not, I've uh, for years, I reached out like I did with you, whether it's in the DM or whatever about my podcast. And I started to do that about five years ago with brands where I would just say, hey, you know, I I have a podcast. Um, it's about XYZ. Here's a couple of my episodes. I'd love to promote your brand. You know, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about how we can collaborate. And out of a hundred people, brand that I reach out to, I don't know, five respond. Right. And they say, Oh yeah, what what were you thinking? And sometimes they'll send me products and I'll even talk about it on the podcast, or they'll actually pay me to talk about it on the podcast, which is just a sponsorship ad. And then I'm starting to think, oh, well, you know, I'm really good at like creating content. Like, why don't I just ask them to do that? So then I started to ask brands, hey, if you send me some product, I'll create some content. So then mm -hmm. I started creating content, building up a portfolio. And I would just do that at first just with product. Like, that was what they paid me with. Only things that I like. like uh, Perfect Keto is one of my partners that I work with all the time. Uh, Super Fat is another good one. I've worked with Athletic Greens before. Everyday Dose, which I was fucking around with before, but I created some content for them. And they just post on their social. And that was all done through the DM. Are you reaching out to them or a lot of them reaching out to you? A little bit of both. More often than not, I reach out to them though. Uh, I'm trying to be very proactive. Problem is I just got a lot going on and yeah. uh, I wish I had more time. Because if I did, that's all I would do is I would reach out to 500 brands a day. Just DM, yeah. email, just go crazy. I'm, I'm lucky enough to where as long as I could produce some good content, which I have for a lot of these brands, they'll reach back out to me. Like Superfat's yeah. one that I've worked with for five years. So every month... I create something for them, you know, but that's no, you can't raise a family off one, one brand, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to do is just continuously grow that. But you know, it's very competitive and there's a lot of people in the space, just like anything else that are taking advantage and yeah. they'll either charge a high markup and give you shitty quality or they'll charge low and give you really good quality, which kind of hurts the market itself. And it's, it's so new that I think people are still kind of messing around with the space a little bit, but um, I take pride in it. You know, I spend a lot of time on my portfolio when I first meet them. I'll do kind of like either a Zoom call or a phone call. Uh, I just kind of talk about their their goals, what their missions are. Is there some creators that motivated you to want to get in the space? What are your videos, you know, like? What's the call to action? So I kind of talk about all those different things. And yeah. then I formulate a, a good solid plan and I send them the completed video. If they want fonts, I do that. I write up the script, including in that video. So I do all that. And then uh, if they want to shout on the podcast, I also I have a fee for that where I can additionally uh, charge them for that. So, yeah, so it's uh, you got to keep up with the times and try to try to do it. Yeah, man, I'm going to I'm going to fire you with a lot of UGC questions at some point. Um, super, yeah. super 
interested in getting into it, but I like that you're super, like you're super active about the process and you're reaching out. I know a lot of people, they're like, oh, UGC isn't working for me. And they're just like waiting for brands to reach out. Um, That's not but, how it works. Yeah. Yeah, the motto. yeah. yeah, dude, I even have a portfolio uh, in my stand store uh, that I sell. It's like a digital portfolio. It's two bucks and it's like mm -hmm. a template how I created my portfolio. And so far it's, you know, it's worked over the years. Um, I, I change it every now and again. But I feel like that's the that's the best start because a lot of brands want different creators. You know, we're starting to find that a lot more in the UGC space to where versus like an influencer, I have a buddy that's a big influencer on Instagram, shout out Bobby Hicks. And uh, Bobby owns a company called Retro Recipes, QVC style mm. uh, cooking show, but it's all retro recipes like in the 1920s and 50s. So mm -hmm. in that mid-century area where it's like weird things. Like uh, he cooked one the other day, it was like pickled um, cupcake or something like that. And you know, he'll make these recipes and he has these old vintage cookbooks and he'll do all that. And he'll do that on TikTok. And he works on his own just to do that. But then he also has a, a agency that he works with that has brands collaborate with like in the kitchen space and things like that. Right. And what I like most about UGC is if you do it right, and you believe in the product, you might not make as much money or connect with as many brands, but it's authentic and it's real. And I think that's in 10 years, that's what we're all going to resonate with. Things have gotten less fake over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, it's not like we see Instagram and all these celebrity ads. I don't, I think they peaked already. Like I don't see it. I don't see consumers, especially in the DDC space. I don't see them going back saying, ah, you know what I miss? I miss like those really fake commercials with those celebrities and influencers. When are we going to get back to seeing that? Like, I don't think consumers are ever going to ask for that. Yeah. Again. Well, I, I think like, I think this could be probably like a whole other podcast, but I think like the next wave of like commerce is probably going to be live shopping, which is kind of like what's going on in mm. most parts of like China or like Southeast Asia, where it's like, and TikTok's already kind of like piloting and pivoting to this, where it's like, it's, gonna, it's not going to be a celebrity. It's going to be a creator just doing a live stream, doing like product reviews for a brand. People are in the chat. They're like in real time objection handling. And then people are just like buying stuff straight from those live streams, kind of like old school QVC, but on TikTok. Yeah. So I yeah. kind of see that happening in like the next five years. And that's like the realest form of advertising probably. No, I agree completely. And I think you didn't even uh, TikTok start purchasing warehouses. Yeah, hours. yeah, like fulfillment center, which is crazy. Yeah. They're doing everything. They're like, I think they're plant like they've like filed patents for like a music streaming company, like fulfillment centers, just like yeah. live shopping stuff. It's like probably gonna be like a super app if it doesn't get shut down completely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be the biggest app that we've ever seen, unless it gets shut down. <laughs> but I, I do honestly think it's gonna be, you know, the Google in ten years. Um totally. and that's you know, that's not far-fetched, right? Because a lot of people look at that and they, they think it's crazy. But really, when you look at Google, it started off as a search engine. Interesting thing about, you know, the internet is the more information we put on the internet, the stronger these platforms grow. So like yeah. Google is only Google because we filled all the information that's on Google. Like right. when you ask your Google device or your Alexa, I don't want to say it because she's in the office. But when you ask them that information, they're pulling that information because someone put on the internet that information. Google is not like sitting researching all this stuff. That's not how it works. That's kind of what TikTok's doing is they're building this, this infrastructure like we do with Google. Google got so big, they bought what? They bought YouTube. Mm -hmm. So now that's a streaming service, a, a video service. And yeah. you look at you know everything that's happening with TikTok. I mean, it's it doesn't surprise me that they're looking to the streaming space. I think they're going to get bigger into podcasts, video podcasts in particular. I think that's a that's a very interesting space because they can really compete with YouTube. You see YouTube running scared with YouTube shorts and all that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I could see TikTok. Like imagine if they started buying up creators' podcasts and saying, hey, kind of like the yeah. Spotify of the world, we'll mm -hmm. give you exclusivity, but you only have to host your podcast on TikTok interesting i could yeah. see that, that blown up well yeah like i mean they already let you i think like post it's it's weird because i wonder when like the behavior of like the person on tiktok is going to catch up to that long form because like we were talking about earlier like people are conditioned to watching like a minute clip on tiktok or like 30 minutes on youtube or like two hours on netflix i That's wonder right. when that tiktok 
time frames going to extend to like 10 minutes instead of the one minute. That's right. And it's even more fascinating all the, because I know why YouTube's doing the shorts and they're monetizing mm-hmm. that a lot more, which I'm excited about because I've, I've gained a lot of followers from shorts, but nice. I'm on both platforms pretty aggressively. And they're trying to do that because they want the TikTok audience to come to YouTube. But I think what is kind of scary if I'm YouTube is what if you do that for the YouTube watcher and then you start thinking, wait, why don't I just go on TikTok? Right. So if you're a YouTube creator and you're like, well, I'm doing all this long form, but I'm also doing short form too. And I'm getting more traction on short form. But this there's this thing, TikTok. So why don't I spend less time on YouTube and more time on TikTok? So I think they're trying to do it to compete with TikTok, but it might bite them in the ass because Mm -hmm. TikTok is working on a lot of other things besides just that vertical content. Totally. I always like initially thought of, and like you probably have more experience than I do because I haven't posted on YouTube or YouTube shorts, but like I always thought long-term of YouTube shorts being like a long-form creator on YouTube or like whatever medium form whatever you want to call it, like the shorts is like the gateway into their long form. So I always saw it as like, you know, okay, maybe you post a a podcast on YouTube and like the discovery vehicle for that is the shorts, you know, for someone to just post shorts content, I was like, I don't know if they're going to like be able to compete with TikTok in like short form only content. But yeah, that's super interesting. If like TikTok just starts doing long form, then like there might not be a reason to be on YouTube. I know the reason right now is like, in terms of like monetizing, it just makes way more sense on it's YouTube. Way better. Yeah. But yeah. I'm sure TikTok will figure that out. Yeah. The only thing I, I criticize about shorts is, um, and you know, CEOs of Google, like mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian, I'm sure you're listening as well. Um, <laughs> that's how big my reach goes. But oh, yeah. it, it, one thing that TikTok can't do is the call to actions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's just not good at it. Right. Because aside from link and bio, which, Mm-hmm. Usually you can't say because TikTok won't push your shit, but where YouTube shorts could capitalize, I think, because you're a YouTube creator. So for me, I have my sometimes two hours, like we're going on over an hour. Sometimes I'll have a two hour podcast, but if I could do a short somewhere, make it a tangible clickable button at the end of that, like Instagram does with the new yeah. link for creators. If you could say, we clip this up, we talk about, you know, liver king that's a 30 second clip boom yeah. at the end it's my call to action that says click here for the full video yeah now the customer watched that 30 second short i clicked the video now i could watch the whole podcast on youtube that to yeah. me would be the a beautiful separation between the two platforms yeah i think um yeah okay so i think like it's i think tiktok's doing that pretty intentionally because they don't want to crush their watch time sure. where it's like as soon as they have a link or call to action that goes somewhere else, it's like, that's a person leaving TikTok. Right. And like, probably for now, for like growth or whatever, they're just optimizing to like keep you in the app over like these other business objectives. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think like YouTube for like brands and for like commerce and stuff like that, they're like a lot better at like yeah. catering to the business, I guess. Yeah. Cause I mean, that would keep me on the app if I'm YouTube. Yeah. 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 Right. Cause that's, that's the one thing I notice if you haven't played around with shorts, it's no different than anything else. It's mm-hmm. it's reels, it's TikTok, it's all the same. But what I yeah. find about shorts is it's just not as good as TikTok. So yeah. like I'll scroll for my through shorts a little bit because I'm on there, so I want to be conscious of what's going on. But then you start seeing like TikTok watermarks on shorts. <laughs> I hate that, yeah. And you're like, fine, I'm just going to go to TikTok then because these watermarks are stupid. They annoy me. So I'm just going to go over there. So yeah. then I close out of shorts. But if like I can stay on the YouTube app, if you can give me something on there to keep me on there, like that link, I don't know, that'd be huge. But it's just a lot to keep up with, man, especially as a creator and UGC in particular. It's just a lot, man. You know, like I'm finding myself trying to fight over, do I want to focus more on the podcast, which I've done longer. I've done this for three years and I just enjoy doing this, like just shooting the shit with you. Like I'm going to get off the phone with you or I'm going to get off the podcast here with you. And I'm going to bother you constantly. We're going to connect a lot more and do some yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the, the sexy thing about a podcast mm-hmm. versus like TikTok. It's like, it's only for me to buy time until I go to bed. It's not, there is no yeah. long-term benefits to watching it, but I really enjoy the podcast, but I'm, I'm torn because there's a faster ROI dealing right. with that TikTok and those shorts. 
yeah versus doing this podcast so i've heard kind of from like everyone who does podcasts that it's the most enjoyable thing they do in their day no question i mean i shit you not i uh i look forward uh to doing my podcast it's even more interesting because if you can't tell i like to talk but um the one thing i like about it it just it's made me more objective made me more open-minded to things made me more professional i feel like it's allowed me to listen a lot more uh even my personal life like i listen to my wife more now than i did before i had the podcast which is funny to say but it's you know but it's the it's the conversation aspect of not wanting to hear yourself talk so much, which I think a lot of social media is, where we do TikToks because we, I mean, listen, if you're going to lie to me if you say every time you do a TikTok or every time you film something on TikTok and post it, you go watch yourself. You're like, let me see how that turned out. Yeah. Oh, Bitch, yeah. you know how that turned out. You filmed it, but you just want to watch yourself because you're egotistical. No one wants to admit it, but it's true. 100%. And, and the one thing I realized about podcasts is, I'll only go back and listen to it because of the other person that I'm interviewing. I don't like to hear my own voice. I like to listen to that other person because I feel like I learned something. And that's, and I think a lot of it has to do with because I'm a podcast fan, probably. That's a big portion of it. But it definitely is the most important part of my day. I just enjoy it. I, I wish I could make a whole living on it. And hopefully that's the goal one day. But um, until then, I'm just enjoying doing it. You know, the most fun hobby I think you'll have is having a podcast. You convince me, man. You convince me on the podcast, UGC. <laughs> Stuff. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bugging you about both those things now. That's cool. Are you gonna be a UGC creator or podcaster now? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. We'll we'll do it. Um I'm surprised uh, you don't have a podcast. Yeah. I've I've been kind of same as you where I've just been trying to like figure one platform out rather than just kind of like half assing a couple is I think based on my personality the way it would work out. So sure. Podcast is like definitely super top of mind. I've just been like thinking of like a thoughtful way to do it. Um I think like, you know, you have a really great podcast because you're super clear on like the type of people you want to talk to, like the type of things you want to talk about. I don't think I really have that yet. So figuring out like what it would be about and then we'll, we'll do it, man. Well, if I, if I could say yeah. just by consuming your content and listening to you speak, you're very knowledgeable on obviously the marketing aspect and creators. And, you know, if, if you're open to a co-host, you know, I'm here, Hell yeah. but I'm just spitballing here. I'm thinking it would be fun to do almost like a deep dive like you do. Every week, you talk about one creator that's made yeah. an impact, and you talk about the pros and the cons and kind of where they're going, maybe shedding a light on that creator, whether it's a small creator or a big creator. But like, let's say one week you would, and I, just hypothetically, we would just go about the reasons why Logan Paul and KSI are so successful with Prime. Yeah. That would be that week's podcast how they've grown the business, where they started. Because me as a creator, and you could even call it something like, you know, creating for creators or whatever. Me as a creator, I would want to listen to that because everyone starts with zero subscribers. Mm -hmm. Where Logan Paul and Jake, they started with zero followers on YouTube. Zero. And in just 10 years, they have grown to Logan Paul's in the fucking WWE. He's got an action figure, bro. He's got a beverage company. Jake right. Paul might go down as one of the greatest boxers of our era if he continues on this path and he actually fights some real boxers. But he seems like he's on that path. These right. motherfuckers were on YouTube doing pranks 10 years ago. There were kids. One of them was on Disney. Yeah. So to talk about that, I think, for two hours would be interesting as a yeah. fellow creator when I hear about a couple folks kind of breaking down their process. Because sometimes we always see like the Mr. Beast of the world as... He's just Mr. Beast, and he was born and started that way. But right. there was a long journey to get him there. Totally. Well, anyways, man, I got I to gotta jump. Thank you so much for inviting me on, dude. This was so much fun. Yeah, this was a blast, man. It was good to get to know you. And, uh, yeah, let's connect after this, dude. We'll do something. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, Ali. See you, man. Oh, hey there. First of all, thanks for making it to the end of this video. Not a lot of people do, according to the YouTube analytics. But I, I do want to say thanks for listening to this. There's some more episodes if you want to check those out and they're all just as good but if you haven't already make sure you subscribe to the channel check out those timestamps below to reference uh, some of the topics i talked about as well as some discount links to some of our sponsors and affiliates but uh, thanks for listening to this episode and uh, we'll see you next time